Years ago, um, Jim Rayburn, who is the, or was, the head of Young Life, a Christian uh, parachurch organization, he uh, famously said, it is a sin to bore people with the gospel. So I'm going to try really hard not to sin this morning. But but Easter presents some challenges. Easter, it's the same every year. I've been preaching for, uh, what, 17 years now, 17 Easter sermons, and it's the same every year. It's the, the same story. You've heard it before. Early in the morning, the women go to the tomb, and they find the tomb empty. And then the details vary around that, but that's that's the basic idea. There's four biographies of Jesus in the New Testament, and all four of them have that same basic idea, that the, the women come to the tomb and uh, early in the, on Sunday morning, and it's empty. So that is the story of Easter. We see it over and over again throughout all four biographies of Jesus. And it's what we've heard for 2,000 years now. The, the story of Easter doesn't really come as a surprise to us. We've heard it before. You don't have to be a Christian to understand the, the basic uh, uh, layout of the Easter story. You've probably heard it somewhere before, even if you're not a Christian. And that's actually a good thing. That That's a good thing for us because Easter was never meant to be a surprise. Jesus did not want Easter to be a surprise. We read in, in each of the biographies, we see over and over again how Jesus uh, warned his disciples ahead of time that he was going to Jerusalem, and when he got to Jerusalem, he would be killed, and then he would be um, raised again on the third day. So he, he said this four times in Matthew's biography alone, and in one of them, uh, it suggests maybe he said it more often than that, because it says, um, it says, whoop, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he had to be killed and raised on the third day. So in one of those four occasions, Jesus maybe started telling them and began telling them over and over again. So we don't know exactly how to interpret that. But at least four times, Jesus said, hey, here's what's going to happen. Be prepared for it, and I'll see you on the third day. And yet, nobody was there. Nobody was there at the at the... Um, at the grave. Nobody went to the tomb on Sunday morning waiting for Jesus to rise. They were surprised by it. And isn't that, isn't that odd? Should, shouldn't they have heard Jesus? He said this four times, and so it wouldn't have been a surprise. They would have been there. But, but of course, it's not a surprise. We, we understand it's not a surprise. If you imagine, think back to your favorite teacher, the one, the one that made a real difference in your life. Maybe they, they, um, taught you to love learning, you know, they inspired you to go to college. Maybe it was a coach or, or, um, uh, uh, somebody who, who taught you a trade. Um, and, and they really made a difference to you. Maybe they, they, uh, cut you some slack when you could have been expelled or maybe they just graded on a curve or whatever it was that made them special. But they were the teacher that you think of, you know, they are the good teacher. Imagine that teacher that really is your favorite teacher of all. And then imagine all semester long, that teacher kept saying, hey, in, in a little bit, I'm going to be killed. And then on the third day, I will rise from the dead. So they said this all semester long. They kept telling you this. <clears throat> You probably wouldn't believe them, right? Realistically, you'd probably say, well, they're just quirky. You know, that's part of what makes them such a great teacher. They have, they have unique quirks. They're kind of an interesting, you probably would not like have them committed to an institution. You'd just say, well, they're kind of weird. They're, they're, they're a quirky teacher and they say some things that don't make any sense. What you would not have done 
you know, the teacher says, okay, this is it. Um, there'll be a substitute teacher on Friday, but I'll be back Monday morning. You would probably have not gone to the tomb on Sunday morning and, you know, booked a band and rented a bouncy council, right? <laughs> that would not have been the way you did it. You would have said, well, you know, it's a shame. It's a shame they're gone now, but, you know, I really loved them when they were here. That's the way we would behave because that's what happens. People don't come back from the dead. But that's, that's the situation that happened with Jesus. Jesus told people over and over again, this is what, this is the way it's going to play out. And nobody was at the tomb on Easter morning. Nobody, well, not quite nobody. There were some people at the tomb. So if we look in our reading in verse one, it says, after the Sabbath on dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. So the women were there. Uh, Mary Magdalene, who we know, and the other Mary, we're not sure. Uh, Matthew has mentioned a Mary before previously in his biography. So maybe it's that same Mary. Maybe it's some other Mary. Maybe, maybe the community that Matthew was originally writing for, they would have said, oh, yeah, of course, the other Mary. And they would have known who she was, but we don't. So it's just the other Mary. So these two women go to the tomb, um, and they, they go there uh, not because they want to see Jesus uh, uh, rise from the dead, they go there because they're looking at the tomb. They want to know, can we get into the tomb? Can we get the stone away from the tomb? Because we need to make sure that the burial was done properly. The reason for that is that, is that the, um, the, the funeral, the, 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 Jesus had died by, by crucifixion. And the whole point of crucifixion is it was designed to be a very slow death. And it took all day for Jesus to die. And it was pretty late in the afternoon when Jesus finally Died, and so the the women are going there Sunday morning to make sure that the burial had been done properly because it had been a, a kind of a rush job. So so they get there and they're not expecting to find the tomb empty. They're expecting to find a body in the tomb that they can then bury properly or make sure it was buried properly. So that's that's who's at the tomb. The 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 women, but in the first century, women were as close as you could get to being nobody. They had uh, almost no legal legal status, uh, and they weren't allowed to, for example, to give testimony in court. Women women were considered unreliable witnesses. So the women are there, but they're pretty close to nobody. And the guards, well, the guards don't even count. I mean, think about these guards, right? They have got the easiest job in the world, right? Guard a cemetery and make sure nobody who's dead leaves, right? <laughs> Jobs don't get easier than that. That's that's as best as they come. And they, they flubbed it, right? They, they botched that job. So so uh because Jesus is already gone. By the time by the time the women show up, the guards are there, but Jesus is gone. Jesus has left the building. So so that's the situation where we find things at the beginning of, of our reading here in in um uh, verse twenty eight uh, uh sorry uh, verse two of chapter twenty eight. So it so then there's this commotion. It says look there was a great earthquake for an angel from the Lord came down from heaven, coming to the stone, he rolled it away and sat on it. So this angel appears and he takes care of the problem with the, the stone that had sealed the, the the tomb. And then he sits on it. And when I was reading that, I was thinking back, I was one of four four brothers. So there was the, the me and my three brothers. And we played this game, I'm sure some of you have played it before, called King of the Hill. Right, you get on the top of the mound of whatever the mound is, and then you know, challenge, you know, come at me, bro. Right, so so we would play that game, and I'm kind of picturing the the angel doing that, looking over at the guards and saying, 
you know, and the guards don't don't take him up on that offer. The guards, the guards, um, it says uh, his face was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. And the guards were so terrified of him they became they shook with fear and became like dead men. So he's got he's got his white clothes on and they're thinking, you know, I'm not going to play that game. Let's let's just faint. And they do. And the angel turns to the women and says, you know, it's okay if they're afraid, but you. You don't have to be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, but you're too late. He's gone. You know, you if you had been here earlier, maybe you would have seen him, right? You know, and it's really because you missed the opportunity. Look, look over there. Wouldn't that be a great place for a bouncy castle? And you missed the opportunity. So he says, he says, he isn't here. He's been raised from the dead. Just as he said, you know, I don't know what it is with you humans, you don't listen when Jesus tells you things. And so he says, just as he said, he says, so Jesus is gone. It's too late to see Jesus, but you come in here and you can see the place where he was lying. So they, um, they hear that. And then he gives them this instruction and he says, now hurry, go tell his disciples. He's been raised from, uh, he's been raised from the dead. Just as he said, uh, um, hurry, go tell his disciples. He's been raised from the dead. He's going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Tell the disciples they're too late. They had the opportunity. They didn't even see the angel. They just got the message secondhand from the women. So go and tell them that it's too late to see Jesus. They had their chance, but they didn't, they didn't make it. But that's okay. Jesus will see them when they go back home to Galilee. Most of Jesus' disciples are from Galilee. They've come down to Jerusalem for the festival, and they're on their way. When they leave, they'll they'll be back in Galilee, their home their hometowns back in Galilee. And uh, Jesus has delivered this message to the angel. I'll see them there when they get back home. I'll see them. So the angel says, "Okay, I've given you the message." And with great fear and excitement, they hurry away from the tomb and ran to tell his disciples. So the women get the message, and then they have great fear and excitement. I was thinking about, you know, what causes great fear and excitement. And, you know, you can think of things, you know, being on a roller coaster, right? It's a lot of fun and it's really frightening. And that's, that's what makes it such a unique experience. Or, or maybe some of us can remember our wedding day, right? We're really excited, but we're kind of terrified too. So, so, uh, they have this, this mix of fear and excitement. They hurry away from the tomb. They're running to tell the disciples and then, uh, Jesus meets them and he greets them. And they, they came and grabbed his feet and they worshiped him. Um, but Jesus, Jesus tells them, hey, that message is important. And he gives them essentially the same message that the, the angel had given them. He says, go and tell my brothers that I'm going to Galilee and they will see me there. So Jesus changes one word. The, the angel said disciples. And Jesus changes it to brothers. So Jesus um, doesn't choose the opportunity to say, those, those guys who abandoned me when the mob came for me, he doesn't say those guys, those losers. Uh, you know, I'm going to get even with them. You know, Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't say those teachers, uh, those, those students, the worst students I ever had. I told them over and over again all semester long. I was going up to Jerusalem to be killed, and then I would be raised. And they couldn't understand even a simple lesson like that. He doesn't say that. He says, "Go and tell my brothers. Go and tell my brothers that I am going into Galilee." So they do. They do. They they leave and they go off and tell the disciples. And there are 
uh, four biographies of Jesus, they all have basically the same story. The details vary because the, the writers have different, they've consulted different witnesses and so forth. So they get, you know, the usual, the usual mix of things and they've got different theological focuses. They want to talk about this or that and so they leave out details that really don't interest them. So, uh, but the, but the, but the basic outline of the Easter story is the same. It has been the same, and so people like me have stood up in front of churches for 2,000 years, and we've told the same old story that you've heard over and over again, which is actually the right way to hear it because it was never meant to be a surprise. It was always meant to be something that's like, sure enough, Jesus Jesus said this, you know, check off one more, one more prediction that Jesus made. Um, and more than that, this is the strangest prediction Jesus ever made. Jesus, Jesus told his disciples a lot of things that were challenging, but none of them more challenging than this. None of them more challenging than the, than his prediction that he would die and be raised again. That is, that is essentially the, the statement that Jesus made that validates everything else Jesus said. That if, that if he can, he can keep this promise, then he can keep all the other ones as well. Jesus is capable of, of really everything he says is true if this is true. So if you think about the kinds of things that Jesus said, you know, Jesus said things that challenged people. Jesus talked about God in a way that people wouldn't have believed except for the fact that Jesus backed it up, backed it up by keeping his other promises, ones even stranger than this. Jesus said that God wasn't an angry judge who was waiting to smite people. He said God was like a father who ran to welcome his lost son when he came home. He said the best the best way to be religious, the best way to serve God um, in, in God's uh, ideal religion was to be like the Samaritan who saw somebody who was hurting by the side of the road and stopped what he was doing to help him. Jesus said that's the best way to experience, to to. Uh, to worship God, to be religious, is to be like the Samaritan. He said, uh, Jesus said, that if you bring your gift to the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, to leave your gift there and go. First make things right with your brother or sister. Jesus said that God cares a lot more about how you relate to other people than whether or not you bring a gift to the altar. That that's the more important thing. Jesus said, Frankly, he said, he said, uh, to, um, to Mary and Martha, they were, they were in the kitchen where women belonged and the men were out in the living room, uh, where the men were listening to Jesus. And Martha went out to the living room and, and uh, Mary went out to the living room and Martha said, Hey, tell her to get back in the kitchen where women belong. And Jesus said, No, women belong out here too. Jesus said all kinds of things that challenged a lot of people's ideas about God. And anybody can do that. Anybody can say things. That, that challenge your ideas about God. But when God validates it by raising that person from the dead, then you have to take those things seriously. Jesus validated everything he said about God by rising from the dead. The, the strangest thing he did, the strangest thing he said was the thing he actually was able to pull off. And if he can do that, you can trust everything else he said. So Jesus goes off uh, in the rest of this chapter as it wraps up. Matthew wraps up his biography by saying, yes, they did go back to back to Galilee. They met him in Galilee. And Jesus said, hey, tell other people what I've taught them. He said, go and make disciples. Go and make students 
of all nations. Go everywhere because everybody deserves a chance to hear these things. Everybody deserves a chance to hear that God is like the father who runs to welcome his son. Everybody needs to know that what God wants from from uh, religious uh, devotion is to help other people, to help the people who are lying by the side of the road, to to help um, to, to to be reconciled to people who have a grudge against you, to get out of the kitchen and go be part of the conversation. Everybody deserves a chance to hear that. So he invites his disciples to join his movement and to make disciples of every nation. And it succeeded. It has been succeeding for 2,000 years. Nobody has been more influential in changing the world than Jesus. Nobody. There's nobody who's even close. Jesus, through the movement that he established, has changed the world Unimaginably, and I'll just give one example because it's Easter Sunday. Are women allowed to give testimony in courtrooms in our country? They are. They are. And it started here. All four of the biographies of Jesus stress that the first witnesses to Jesus, the the people who were entrusted with the most important message in all of history, were people who were denied the opportunity to be trusted in a courtroom. And that has changed because of Easter. It started here. Jesus began changing the world through the movement that he established. And everyone is invited to take up the role that he gave his disciples, to go and make more disciples, to tell them the good news about God and about other people. So, that is... The, the message of Easter, it's not, um, it's not that, that God, uh, will take you to heaven when you die. I mean, yes, he will, but nobody in the first century doubted that. What Easter teaches us is that Jesus can be trusted. The craziest, most outrageous things Jesus said could be trusted because the very craziest thing he said turned out to be true. So. I invite you to consider joining the movement of Jesus because you won't simply be a disciple when you do that. You won't simply be part of the greatest movement in history. You will be, as he said, part of the family of the children of God. Go and tell my brothers that they will see me in Galilee. We can trust Jesus because there really was nobody at the tomb. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for the good news that Jesus taught throughout his entire earthly ministry, the good news we read in the rest of the New Testament. But we give you thanks especially for Easter, which showed us that Jesus wasn't just making things up and talking out of turn. Jesus was on a mission from you to help us to understand you. Help us, Lord, as we consider how we can be part of his movement to share his good news with all nations. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.